Start turning to Genesis chapter 14. We are in our series on the book of Hebrews. And we're going to start reading today in Genesis. Until we get to Hebrews. No. <laughs> Don't kill her. <laughs> yeah. Context is important, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so are you with are you with us? Are you with me? Okay. Alright, so this is God's holy word. And it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will move upon me. And we will see in here, and we will understand in Jesus' name. Right. Okay. Don't you just love freedom? Hey? It's just awesome. Okay. Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. After his, that's Abram, return from the defeat and slaying of Kedolah Omar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, later called Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine for their nourishment. He was the priest of God Most High. All right. So we're going to look at this Melchizedek and who this person really is. All right. Verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed, favored with blessings, made blissful, joyful, be Abram by God, most high, possessor and maker of heaven and earth. And blessed and praised and glorified be God, most high, who has given your foes into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of all he had taken. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand and sworn to the Lord God, Most High, the possessor and maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a shoelace or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Okay. So this guy wanted to kind of get some, uh, some honor by also giving something to Abram. Because Abram gave honor to the king of Salem, Melchizedek, for giving the enemies into his hand. And because uh, uh, he honored him, uh, the, uh, Melchizedek came and brought bread and wine. So the gospel was brought to Abraham. Abraham believed what Melchizedek told him which was to be fulfilled later. Okay, so he brought the gospel to Abram. And it was that gospel that Abram believed that was counted to him for righteousness. The bread and the wine for his nourishment. Okay, so um, Abram gave a tenth of everything that he took from the kings to Melchizedek. As a way of expressing that I know that all these things are mine. This spoil is mine because 
of Melchizedek. He gave him a tithe, recognizing that it was him that blessed him. Okay, now this tithe was given as an honor to the king. That in that, uh, he had like, like a culture of giving honor. He was honoring the king in the king's valley. But he didn't want anything from the king of Sodom, and neither did he give a tithe to the king of Sodom, because he, uh, Sodom, <laughs> because he didn't want it to be known that the king of Sodom made him rich. All right? So when we honor God with our giving, we are proclaiming to him that we believe that it is him that has already made us blessed by giving everything that we have into our hands. All right, so last week we touched on it in Deuteronomy. Um, it says it is God that gives us the power to get wealth. Where was that? Deuteronomy 8. He says, um, You shall earnestly remember, verse 18, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to His fathers as it is this day. Now, how did Abram remember the one who gave all the spoils into His hand? He gave him a tithe. This was more than 400 years before the law came to Mount Horeb, where the law was given to the nation of Israel. This, that nation still had to be born out of Abram. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 7. So there was a tithe instituted by the patriarch of faith. <laughs> And this tithe was based on the promise. This tithe was not expected of him. This tithe was not forced on him. He gave it, honoring the king, thanking him for giving all things into his hand. Just, just get the mindset of why Abraham did it. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, and priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave to him a tenth portion of all the spoil. He is primarily, as his name when translated indicates, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without record of father or mother or ancestral line, neither with beginning of days nor ending of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues to be a priest without interruption and without successor. Now, who does that remind you of? Okay, so Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ appeared as the king Melchizedek, king of Salem, to Abraham, and he brought him bread and wine. So all of this speaks of what he would come and do on the cross. All right. So he's without normal ancestral line. Jesus, as a man, he's, he was uh, 
begotten by the Spirit. His flesh body was begotten of the Spirit. Okay, so we need to, to understand that this person, Melchizedek, is the Lord himself, Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4. Now, observe and consider how great a personage this was to whom even Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth, the topmost or the peak of the heap of the spoils. And it is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to take tithes from the people, which means from their brethren, though these have descended from Abraham. Okay, so Levi was the tribe that were the priests and they according to the law took tithes and they took it from their from their brethren their brothers okay they took it on the basis of a law and the requirement that was demanded by the law all right and it says they were also descendants. They were, let's just write it, descendants of Abraham. Okay. Verse 5, and it is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with a priestly office are commanded in the law to take tithes from the people, which means from their brethren. Verse 6, but this person who has not their Levitical ancestry received tithes from Abraham himself and blessed him who possessed the promises of God. Okay, now on this side we have Melchizedek. Okay, he received a tithe. He didn't take it, all right? He received the tithe from Abraham himself. And he blessed him. No blessing pronounced by the Levitical priests. Okay, where are we? Verse 7. Yet it is beyond all contradiction that it is the lesser person who is blessed by the greater one. So they can't really pronounce this kind of blessing because they are the same but Melchizedek is such a great person he blessed Abraham the lesser person Abraham is blessed by the greater verse 8 furthermore here in the Levitical priesthood tithes are received by men who are subject to death well, there, in the case of Melchizedek, they are received by one of whom it is testified that he lives perpetually. So these Levites are prevented by death from remaining priests. And Melchizedek lives forever. All right. Verse 9, a person might even say that Levi, the father of the priestly tribe himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. So because they are descendants of Abraham, he says you can also argue that because Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, they paid a tithe to Melchizedek. 
Okay. Right. Where are we? Verse 11. Now, if perfection, is that where we are? 10, yeah. For he is still in the, he was still in the loins of his forefather Abraham when Melchizedek met him. Okay. Verse 10. Now, if perfection, a perfect fellowship between God and worshiper, had been attainable by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people were given the law, why was it further necessary that there should arise another and different kind of priest, one after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one appointed after the order and rank of Aaron? Okay. So this priesthood of the Levites, they are the priests according to the law. We know that the law cannot make us perfect. If perfection came through, through the law, why was it necessary for another priest after the order of Melchizedek to, to rise? Okay? All right. So, he perfects us. This priest... I priest forever after the order of Melchizedek brings perfection because of a perfect sacrifice. And he is perfectly adapted as high priest, having suffered in the flesh as a human being but not sinning. Are, are you with me? I'm, I'm also taking out of what we, we've discussed previously. Okay, so Jesus Christ went through everything that you went through. He has experienced every temptation, okay? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He's experienced everything. He was tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. All right? That made him the perfectly adapted and faithful high priest related to the things of God. So because he became a human being and he knows what it is to be human and alive, he now, because he's at the right hand of the Father, is a perfectly adapted high priest. And he gave himself the perfect sacrifice. And because of all of this, he can... Bring us to perfection. So perfection is only possible by this priesthood and not by that priesthood. Okay. All right. So let's go on. Where are we? Rather than a round of Aaron. Verse 12. The self's mooi omrang is so. Omkrang. Verse 12. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is of necessity an alteration of the law concerning the priesthood as well. So when God took out the old and instituted a new high priest, it, it, it's the same thing. You can't have Levitical priests ministering the law to people. The same time where God promised and swore with an oath and that swore that that oath he will not repent you are high priest forever after all the order of Melchizedek you cannot have the high priest forever without interruption without successor 
and still go with this law. Because if there's a change of priesthood, there's a change of law also. So either you're going to be under the Levitical priesthood, under the order of, uh, high priestly order of Aaron, and you have to go with this document, and you have to bring sacrifices according to the law with this priesthood, and everything is demanded from you, they took tithes. Or you're going to move over to this side, and you're going to trust in the sacrifice that this high priest brought you, to cleanse you and to perfect you and to continuously bring you to perfection now you have to choose you can't have both there's with a change of high priest with the priesthood there is a change of the law also verse 13 for the one of whom these things are said belonged to the priestly line uh, but to another tribe let me just read this again. For the one of whom these things are said belonged not to the priestly line, but to another tribe, no member of which has officiated at the altar. For it is obvious that our Lord sprang from the tribe of Judah, and Moses mentioned nothing about priests in connection with that tribe. So according to the law, the law says no mention of Judah. But we know that Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Now, listen to this. Um, verse 15. And this becomes more plainly evident when another priest arises who bears the likeness of Melchizedek. Now there it, it says again, Psalm 110 verse 4, it says, The Lord has sworn and he will not repent. You are high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, speaking of Jesus. Okay, verse 60. Who has been constituted a priest not on the basis of a bodily legal requirement, an externally imposed command or concerning his uh, physical ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an endless and indestructible life. Because Jesus is absolutely righteous. He's king of righteousness. Because he's righteous, no sin in him, death has no authority over him. Okay. Death has no authority over him. No jurisdiction at all. Because death has no authority over him, he lives forever. Jesus could not die by the hands of men. He said, no one takes my life, John chapter 10, but I lay it down voluntarily. So no one could kill him. If he never laid down his life, he would still be on that cross. <laughs> okay. He could not die by the hands of men. Okay. But he laid down his life and he gave it up and he had the power to take it up again. Okay. And if he didn't do that, we wouldn't have had the perfect sacrifice that he is forever presenting on our behalf at the throne on the mercy seat. Okay. He is high priest forever because on the basis of an indestructible, immortal, eternal life. Okay.
verse 17. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 18. So the previous physical regulation and command is cancelled because of its weakness and ineffectiveness and uselessness. So the law cancelled because it's weak to save. The law cannot save you. Okay. It was cancelled because God brought a better one. It was, the, the offering was cancelled. To my kitty, so thanks. Okay. The law was cancelled because of his ineffectiveness, inability, uh, uselessness. I like that, uselessness. Okay, verse 19. For the law never made anything perfect. But instead, a better hope is introduced through which we now come close to God. So the law, perfection is not possible. The law never made anything perfect. He says, now a better hope. And by this hope, we can come close to God. Verse 20. It was not without the taking of an oath that Christ was made priest. For those who formerly became priests received their office without its being confirmed by the taking of an oath by God. But this one, speaking of Jesus, was designated and addressed and saluted with an oath the lord has sworn and will not regret it or change his mind you are a priest forever according to the order of melchizedek okay in keeping with the oath's greatest strength and force jesus has become the guarantee of a better and a stronger agreement a more excellent and more advantageous covenant because of the oath that was sworn on the strength of this okay he says jesus became the guarantee of a better stronger stronger and a better agreement this agreement is that we are saved by grace through faith okay the New Testament. Okay. Verse 23. Again, the former successive line of priests was made up of many because they, they were each prevented by death from continuing perpetually in office. So every time the successive line of priests in the Levitical priesthood broken, 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 they had to get another one. They had to be constantly replaced because they kept on dying. But, but with this priesthood, there's only one, and he lives forever. Okay? So it's, it's a greater guarantee that if your high priest is alive, okay, than when your high priest keeps on dying. Okay. But he holds his priesthood unchangeably because he lives on forever. It's amazing to me in these, in these chapters how he repeats and repeats certain statements. He repeats it, and he, he puts emphasis on it, so, so we can just get it. Okay, verse 25. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him, since he is always living to make petition uh, to God and intercede with him and intercede for them, intervene for them. Okay. Is able, where shall we put it? He perfects. 
saves to the uttermost. Have you ever thought, ach, here, who can save this person? Okay. Have you ever thought maybe you're beyond salvation? <laughs> you know, you, you kind of feel like you want to give up because, you know, you've really taken this word and here I am standing at the same time the same tree again or going around the same mountain again okay hey you have a high priest and because he lives forever and because he paid the sacrifice with his own blood he is able on the grounds of the oath on the grounds of a stronger agreement he is able to save you to the uttermost now just hearing this makes us open up and trust him okay on this side it is salvation is not possible and perfection is not possible on this side he saves you to the uttermost i just think that's beautiful okay 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 so he is forever just listen to this since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. He's always living. He lives forever. What does he live for? To intercede for you. What does he live for? To make petition for you. To intervene for you. Okay. If that doesn't make you rest, I don't know what will. <laughs> okay. Forever he is alive. He doesn't sleep. He never takes a break. Because he can't get tired. Because he cannot die. And forever, every moment, every second, every split second, he lives making intercession for you. That's who we're talking about here. You, you know, you space out every now and then or... You zone out and do other stuff, and he doesn't. He's always, always interceding for you, intervening for you, praying for you. Okay? What a high priest. All right. He is the high priest perfectly adapted, we've touched on that, to our needs as was fitting. Holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners and exalted higher than the heavens wow what a high priest verse 27 he has no day by day necessity as do each of these other high priests to offer sacrifices first for all of his own personal sins and then for those of people because he met all the requirements once for all when he brought himself as a sacrifice which he offered for the law sets up men in their weakness, frail, sinful, dying human beings as high priests. But the word of God's oath, which was spoken later after the institution of the law, chooses and appoints as priest one whose appointment is complete and permanent, a son who has been made perfect forever. Okay, the law sets up men in their weakness. So it sets you up for failure. If you want to minister 
according to the law. Just know this, that the people that you minister to will never reach perfection. Okay? So if you want to take legalistic ideas, thinking that you're approaching God in the right way, what you're actually doing is you're making, you, you are depending on the arm of the flesh, on a document that's not perfect, on a priesthood that makes you rely on yourself that is not perfect. Okay? We need to understand this. These bring sacrifices of goats and bulls. This one brought an everlasting sacrifice once for all of himself. Perfectly adapted. Not stained by sin. Separated from the world. Exalted in the heavens. All right. That's um, amazing. Okay, now 8 verse 1. Here, I think is the center of what the whole book of Hebrews is about. Now, the main point of what we have to say is this. We have such a high priest. One who is seated at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. That's just awesome. Okay. So this is about him as high priest. As officiating priest, a minister in the holy places and in a true tabernacle, which is erected not by man, but by the Lord. So he's in the Holy of Holies in heaven, ministering for your benefit. Okay, verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer up gifts and sacrifices, so it is essential for this high priest to have some offering to make also. All right. If then we were still living on earth, he would not be a priest at all, for there are already priests who offer the gifts in accordance with the law. Okay, just listen. This priesthood operates in heaven, in the holy of holies. This is a spiritual thing. This priesthood operates on earth. All right. If Jesus didn't ascend to heaven, if he remained on earth, he could not be priest at all. He had to ascend and sit at the right hand of the Father at the throne to become priest on a different agreement, on a different basis, in a different tabernacle in heaven. Because there are already priests on earth according to the law operating here. And this is not good enough. All right. Okay. So he had, as these had to bring sacrifices, he had to bring a sacrifice also. Now, I just want to just quickly say something in brackets. I don't know if you remember, I said in some of the previous Sundays, he is king of kings. He is lord of lords. But he is the high priest of priests. Did you, do you remember I said that? Okay. So he is king, lord, high priest. Okay. So in the new, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, 
will reign as kings in life. Okay, Lord. He's Lord of Lords. So these two, it's the same. It's Lordship, it's authority. High priest. We are priests. Now I, I read to you Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 5. Okay? So he has made us a royal priesthood. Kings and priests unto our God in Revelation chapter 5 says, and they shall rule over the earth forever. Okay, so we will rule in his kingdom as kings. And we will rule, we will minister under the high priestly order of Melchizedek as priests of the most high God. Do you get it? So they, uh, he brought the perfect sacrifice. So what sacrifice do we bring? He laid down his life. So there will be a correlation between his sacrifice and our sacrifice. His sacrifice, he laid down his life, paid the price for us. Our sacrifice, Romans chapter 12. He says, let's just read it because I'm going to quote it wrong. Just listen to this. man. Romans chapter 12. This is verse 1. I appeal to you, brethren. I beg of you in view of the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable rational, intelligent service, and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after its superficial customs. There's the law again. But be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind. Okay, so thinking in a new way. You present your body as a living sacrifice to God. He presented his body as a living sacrifice and he laid down his life we present our bodies as a living sacrifice by receiving his life and uh, giving up on this agreement giving up on what we think what we will all our ambitions all our ideas our pride of how we think things should go our way of trying to force God in a certain direction, okay? Our picture of how we think it should be. We lay down our life. So here it is. If you want to minister to people and bring them to perfection, the best thing you can do is to surrender yourself and to lay down your own life and leave it as if you're a dead man, as if it, you died. According to this world, you have died and your neural life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay, so how am I going to reach the world? I surrender to the Holy Spirit. How am I going to reach the world and minister as a priest to the world? I yield. I surrender my life to Him. 
I give up my body, the use of my body, my faculties. I surrender it as an instrument of righteousness, Romans chapter 6. Okay. On this side, when the law was active, Romans 6 verse 14 says, Now, sin will not exert dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Which means this. I am not surrendered to the desires that the law stirs up, the forbidden desires, Romans 7. But I'm yielded as if I died and was buried and raised to a new life. To him, he, this high priest, his sacrifice that is ministering for me and his will that's operating through me. That's the priestly office of the New Testament. Okay, so as a priest, in the old, they, burned the, they brought burnt sacrifices. If I do that today, it's speaking against the body of Jesus. I'm spitting in the face of the cross. But today, I have a sacrifice to bring as a priest. My own will. My own self. I can lay down my life for him who died and was raised up again for me. All right? High priest, priest. King, kings. Lord, lords. Okay. Does that make sense? Does that bless you? Okay. Back to Hebrews. All right. Let's see. Okay. The law never made anything perfect. Uh, that's true. Okay. No, we're past seven already. Where are we now? I could not box to gemaakt. Now, I box up gemaakt. Verse five. Okay. Verse five. But these offer services merely as a pattern or as a foreshadowing of what its true existence and reality in the heavenly sanctuary. For when Moses was about to erect the tabernacle, he was warned by God, saying, See to it that you make it all exactly according to the copy, the model which was shown to you on the mountain. But as it now is, he, Christ, has acquired a priestly ministry, which is as much superior and more excellent than the old, as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior and more excellent, because it is enacted and rests upon more important Sublimer, higher, nobler promises. It's a better hope and better promises. This is superior to that. So much so that looking to this one when this one has been revealed is like looking into darkness when you're standing in the light. All right. Verse 7, for if that, hold your tongue. Okay. For if that first covenant had been without defect, there would have been no room for another one or an, inst uh, an attempt to institute another one. Okay. The quest for zero defect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If this one worked, why did he institute that one? Okay. 
So everyone who is really, who loves the law and who wants to do it, if it worked, why are you still doing it? Okay, but we're not in Hebrews 10 yet. We'll get there next week. Okay. Verse 8. However, he finds fault with them, showing its inadequacy. So God finds fault with the principles, with the commandments that's written in the old. That's the them that he's speaking about. He finds fault with them, the commandments, showing its inadequacy. When he says, behold, the days will come, says the Lord, when I will make and ratify a new covenant or agreement with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So remember, change of priesthood, change of law. Okay, now he says, verse 9, it will not be like the covenant that I made with their forefathers on the day when I grasped them by the hand to help and relieve them and to lead them out from the land of Egypt. For they did not abide in my agreement with them, so I withdrew my favor and disregarded them. God says, this one, not like, that's a L, the old. What happened here? If they were unfaithful to the law, God withdrew his favor from them. So if they were disobedient, some pest came over them. If they didn't, if they went and worshipped idols on the mountains, some nation would come and destroy everything, destroy their crops or mess up everything, take them into some kind of bondage. Okay? But God says, this one is not the same. It will not be like that one where if they were unfaithful, I withdrew my favor. So God will never withdraw his favor. His grace stands forever. Right. Verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their minds, even upon their inmost thoughts and understanding, and engrave them upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse, what's it? Two or three. He says, the law of the spirit of life, verse 2, which is in Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law of sin and death. This law is the law of sin and death. But this law is a change of priesthood, so it's a change of law. This law is the law of spirit and life. Now he says, I will write my laws, the law of the spirit and life, on their hearts and minds. Not these commandments, because he just said he finds fault with those commandments. Because he said, I will bring another one. I will bring another high priest. I will bring another law. So the new law that's instituted, that's written in your heart, is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Is the person. It's Him, not it. It's not information that's external that you need to obey for a God that's far away. It's an indwelling Christ 
indwelling spirit and you become his body and you yield your body as a living sacrifice and he becomes seen in you. You are a walking, talking holy of holies. You are the temple. You are the tabernacle of God. You are the ark of the covenant. You are it. If the more yielded you are to the indwelling spirit, the more of the glory of the indwelling spirit will be visible on your life. Simple as that. As priests, for us to minister the gospel, we need to be yielded and surrendered. We need to be in that place of intimate fellowship with Jesus. Okay. Not in a place of, like me yesterday, complaining about load shedding. Okay. <laughs> All right. God is not unfaithful or with, withdraw when you are unfaithful. He dwells in you. Nothing will ever separate you from him. He's in you. He's with you. You are forever completely cleansed and perfected by the offering of the flesh body, by his blood having washed you clean. A faithful, sympathetic high priest related to the things of God. He's sympathetic towards everything you mess up. And then he's constantly making intercession for you because of everything you mess up. So every time you, you, you're walking in a way that is not surrendered, because he's forever ministering to you, as you do it, it's gone. As you said it, it's gone. He removes the power of the old. He removes the power of death by giving his own life. How does it manifest? You need to get to the end of yourself. And you need to yield to what he wants to give to you. What a high priest. All right. Okay, so he says, uh, verse 10, For this is the covenant I will imprint my laws on their hearts and minds. So now the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The law that you live by is just in you. It's your thoughts. It's your conscience. Your conscience is cleansed by the blood. It's clear. You hear clearly what the Spirit says. The Spirit is your new law. The person. The better you know Him, the better He will be manifested in you. All right. Okay, remember, just to, to go back again to Romans chapter 8. The law of the Spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do, its power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. Then he says, sending his son in the guise of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, overcame it, deprived it of its power over all who accept that sacrifice. Now listen. So that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh but in the ways of the spirit if the spirit of god dwells in you the law is completely fully and utterly fulfilled inside you because you have his righteousness in you by grace, through faith. It's a stronger agreement. It's able to bring you to perfection.
It's not something that is weak to save and that will leave you out in the desert. All right. Now listen. Verse 11. And it will never more be necessary for each one to teach his neighbor and his fellow citizen or each one his brother saying, know the Lord, for all will know me. This is God's desire for every person to know him, from the smallest to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins. Okay, so he says, all know me because I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins. Do you want people to know God? Bring them grace. Bring them mercy. Then they can know God because this is not a representation of who he is. What's the point of the law? The law was given so that sin could be judged. And then the son came to take the judgment upon himself. And the law was never meant for us to take it as a means of righteousness. It was just there so that he could fulfill it and pay the price. It lined him up to pay the price. That's what the law did. Okay. So God is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, rich in love. Okay. If you want people to know God, bring the mercy and the grace, the forgiveness of God or of sins to them. Okay. I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins, and I will remember their deeds of unrighteousness no more. Okay, so no more remembrance of sin, no more sin consciousness, but an awareness of the indwelling Christ, awareness of Him. Verse 13, when God speaks of a new agreement, He makes the first one obsolete and out of use, and what is obsolete and out of use and annulled because of age is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed with all together. It's obsolete. Annulled because of age. It's obsolete because something better came. Just this week, I went to my mom's house. There was an old computer screen standing on the, on the one desk. She wanted to use the space on the desk. So I said, okay, I'll take it to, to donate it to some place. So I took this thing that's out of use. It's been standing there for 10 years, not being switched on. It's in perfect working order. It works. If you plug it, it works. But it's old technology. So no one wants it. So I took it and I... It's obsolete. It's out of use. Ripe for disappearance. So it has now disappeared. It was be, it's been dispensed with altogether, like a 1985 computer. What can you do with it today? That, that time, I mean, it cost us the price of a car to have a computer. I mean, it was expensive. And then you would wait like two hours for 110 kilobytes to copy or something, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know. That stuff is old. It's out of use. The law has no more purpose today the purpose was accomplished in the cross your perfection cannot comes by come by obedience to the law it comes because a perfectly adapted perfect sacrifice by a perfectly adapted high priest who is faithful jesus the righteous 
who is high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek on the basis of an indestructible life. All right. Amen. Okay. So that's chapter 7 and 8. So next week we'll go chapter 9 and 10. But I, I think maybe we can take three weeks on chapter 9 and 10 because, you're, you know, because we'll have to properly do Galatians 3 with it. Yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you showed to us what you meant on the cross. We just pray. Open it up, Lord. Destroy the power that all bondage have, has <laughs> on the lives of people. <laughs> and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you just bring the fruit of what, of, of what Jesus died for into our lives. Manifest the fruit of the cross in us, in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are forever our high priest, ministering to us, Holy Spirit. Here we are. Here we are. We are yielded and we are surrendered. Bring your kingdom through us to this earth. Manifest it, Lord. Your power, your glory, your kindness, your, your gentleness, your goodness, your mercy. Here we are, Lord. Use us to show yourself to the world. In Jesus' name, we lay down our lives. We lay it down. We surrender our thoughts, our ideas, our will. We bring our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So I'm just going to say amen. You're watching. Thank you for watching. And uh, join us again next week, 930 for another live stream. Sorry for the kind of interruption that we had there because of um, some technical issues. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear from you. Please like and share. Please comment. Tell us where you're watching from. And uh, send us a message with your prayer requests. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>